if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called Venture Notes. And before going into the episode today, here are some benefits about being a Venture Notes Premium member. First of all, do you know that Premium members get their NFT member pass? This NFT will open the door to private access to events, content, and so much more yet to be designed. It's a long journey. The first 50 member access pass collection could be considered as the OG collection, the Genesis collection. And second of all, Premier members are also invited to join our early stage startup syndicate called Olive Capital, where we mostly support pre-seed to Series A startups in the EU and in the US in B2B SaaS, crypto and consumer tech. We are embracing the model of a media-driven early stage investor. Please note that Olive Capital does not provide financial advice. You need to carefully consider your own financial situation and take a risk diversification approach. While the return profile looks attractive, members are aware that venture capital is a very difficult asset class where all the invested capital is at risk. And now let's move into the show. Building a community is vital for the success of any Web3 project. Decentralization, innovation and Web3 development are only possible through people. And in order to make that happen, there must be a united community that fights for the initiative. On the other hand, the credibility of Web3 projects is still negatively affected as a result of countless fraudulent schemes that persist in continuing and tainting an otherwise promising concept. Building a community not only benefits the project, but it also earns it more authority. It does come with its own set of challenges, though. Creating, managing and growing a community is time-consuming and requires effort. In this episode, we are discovering how customer support magnifies building a Web3 community with Richard Draper, co-founder at Mava. Across four parts, you will learn the similarities and differences between Web2 and Web3 communities, how in Web3 building a community should be the starting point, but also if successful Web3 projects can start without a community. Who needs to build the community in the earliest days and how to identify engaged users beyond what's visible. Before starting Mava, Richard and his co-founders built another venture and decided to pivot six months ago, right at the beginning of this bear market. Through his experience, you will learn the art of pivoting in a context of a bear market, namely keeping on building in the same direction or understanding fake PMF and toxic signals, finding support from existing investors, researching and validating various ideas, then choosing where to pivot to. Finally, you will learn about Mava, its market opportunity and how Richard is building it and the long-term plan for growing Mava. Enjoy the episode. In this first part, we'll discover everything related to the differences and the similarities between building a community in Web2 and in Web3. Yeah, absolutely. So there are some fundamental differences between Web2 and Web3 communities. And I think actually starts from the, the origination of the community in itself and your point around building communities for believers only i think a lot of the largest web3 communities we see now have formed very organically around people with very shared beliefs or some sort of common objective and i think the traditional web2 communities very much assuming they're linked to some sort of business organization traditionally have been created around a product or an idea you know, the team's gone out to build a product and then they've thought about the community as an afterthought. I think in Web3, that's been totally reversed and often it's more organic. The communities come around an idea or problem or some sort of ideal outcome and they've then almost built the business around that. And I think 
by the nature of that, starting almost community first, you do certainly have a lot more believers, I'd say, in Web3. And I think projects just naturally have been built around community who are more aligned in many ways. I think obviously during hype cycles, that's changed a little bit. And you had a lot of people come in who were just there to make a quick buck or maybe didn't even care necessarily or even understand the original premise of the community. But I think now we're obviously in the, the midst of a, a very bad bear market once again. And a lot of communities that were built around the hype who didn't really have, I guess, a permanent or solid structure or foundation around them, you're starting to see those communities go very quiet. A lot of Discord communities just shutting down, for example. But the original OG communities that were built around a solid belief, very clear premise or objective are stronger than ever in many ways. And the communities are still very active. So I think there are fundamental differences. Certainly Web3, it's almost community first and then product. And certainly at Marva, we're thinking around that in terms of the way we build, right? We've got a beta community of active users who is giving us feedback and we're building the product with the community. We're not just saying, this is our idea. Obviously as a founding team, we've got a very strong vision and we know where we want to go, but the community is playing an integral part of that build process, which maybe isn't as much as the case in Web2. I think certainly community has often been thought of as a small subsect of maybe product or sort of subsect of marketing. But over the past few years, I think that certainly larger organizations as well as smaller organizations have realized the importance of community, not only as an afterthought as part of the marketing team, but almost as a whole strategic pillar within the organization. And the role of community manager uh, is certainly gaining increasing prominence and often now spun out and maybe works very closely with marketing, but might be a, a totally separate part of that organization. And so I think Web2 organizations certainly seeing the value of community and understanding that you know, in the age we live in with social media, et cetera, that the importance of, I guess, understanding and engaging the community goes well beyond just one-off marketing campaigns. And it needs to be a very organic and a process that, that can't be, I guess, you can't achieve a quality community overnight. It takes a lot of time. And if you're thinking about it from a perspective of, okay, let's, let's pull back during, let's say a bear market or you know, during tougher times, I don't think that's a long-term sustainable approach to the business. You know, these things take time to build and you've really got to have a long-term strategy in place around the community. And of course it can be dynamic. In terms of Web3 itself, community doesn't have to be the starting point. It normally is, but perhaps a good example of this would be Niftify. So it's a project I'm an ambassador of. So they're an NFT lending protocol and they've started as a relatively centralized project. So you can essentially put an NFT into a smart contract. So traditionally a blue chip NFT, and then you can lend against that using a smart contract. So if you want to borrow money to invest elsewhere, or you want to borrow against an NFT to you know, buy a new car or have some real world expenses, they facilitate that process. So they identified a real pain point and often you know, traditional banks and lenders won't look at intangible assets, certainly not NFTs. It's just something they'd never dream of, of lending against at the moment. So they solved that problem. And so they started from, I guess, identifying the problem and then they've built up the community over time and they're slowly devolving into a decentralized DAO type organization. And it's really interesting to see this process develop and community initially just being, I guess, very traditional, getting excited, bit of engagement, but now the community is slowly taking over more and more responsibility as they devolve into a DAO. And I think that's a really powerful lesson that a lot of Web2 companies could actually learn as well in terms of not just engaging the community, but actually empowering them. And I think Web3 in that respect does have, because of the different economic model and the incentive structures, you know, trustlessness, 
permissionless decentralization, et cetera. It facilitates that in a way I think Web2 companies would struggle to replicate to the same degree. But I think there are certainly lessons to be learned there. And yeah, I think that's a really powerful example of how the community has gone from being perhaps more passive or just engaged in a traditional sense to fully empowered, engaged. And, you know, you start to see those those benefits pay off in you know, a community creating content, they're engaging other community members, they're providing customer support, for example. And that's one thing we're working um, with them on at Marva as well. Really at the very early stages, it makes a lot of sense for the founding team or the earliest employees to be doing the community effort as well, because there are so many overlaps and parallels with product, understanding the audience, knowing not only the vibe from the community, but getting understanding their pain points. And to be honest, if you're, I guess, building in a space or building a, a solution for a problem you don't fully understand, then that's maybe not, not a, a great thing in the first place. But the best way to resolve that is to really build that community and really go deep and understand the problem and then solve for that. And it's a fluid and dynamic process. So I think you've got to be engaged as founders at an early stage with the community. And ultimately, you're going to care about the business more than anyone else. So it's really important that you get involved. And I think it's the feedback you can gather at you know, early stages is critically important for the future development of the product and the organization and the community generally. So outsourcing that or getting someone external in, in my opinion, doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Of course, as you start to scale, you'll get to a point at which your time could be better spent doing other things and not necessarily stepping back totally from the community, but having someone else come in and take over some of the, I wouldn't say, I guess the, the elements that, that could be done by someone external, maybe slightly more around the engagement or again, dealing with some of the support elements something that we think is very important for everyone on the team to do. Um, but over time, as we scale, you know, we'll obviously get a customer support dedicated team in as well internally. And it's something that as communities get larger, they often hire external moderators. Um, but I do think you've got to be very careful because the quality of, um, I guess, moderators can vary greatly. And ensuring that they're being actually constructive and helpful to, towards the community as opposed to actually detracting from that by providing, you know, poor quality answers to questions or not really, I guess, getting the community vibe. And it's something difficult, I think, if you're coming in and you've not already been a member of that community. And the way you're seeing Web3 communities solve this, um, just like Niftify, is they're getting people who are already active in the community, I guess, giving them some sort of, um, I guess, enhanced role, like an ambassador or something similar, and empowering them to then provide that support. And because they already understand the community, they're able to provide, I think, much better engagement. And that's a really interesting way of going about that. And I think certainly at Marva, if we, you know, in the future looked to hire someone involved in the community side, we wouldn't probably just go and advertise for that job. We would either look in other communities we are engaged with and really like, or someone within our own community who's been really helpful that we think we can empower to then, you know, take, take that to the next level. Do the community believe, I guess, are they believers not only in, I guess, the movement, but what you're building? And I think if you're building something genuinely useful that people believe in, they will naturally be more engaged in the community. It's worth saying though, that I think a large percentage of community members are passive. And you see that on all sorts of social media platforms. It's not just Web3, it's you know ubiquitous. Only a small percentage ordinarily of a community will be active anyway. And I think you've just got to accept that, uh, but you've got to figure out a way of, I guess, engaging, engaging those members that are already be willing to engage to do even more. So I think in terms of some unique elements of Web3, 
certainly people get very excited about certain things, token drops, NFT sales, where they think maybe there's an opportunity to make money or be part of a, an exclusive club. And you've seen certain communities like that get really hyped, really engaged with very little actual, I guess, push from the community team. Whether that's sustainable is debatable in my opinion. So I think it just goes back to you've got to be building something people are genuinely interested in. And I think in the B2B space, you're naturally going to have a less active community, right? It's 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 something you'd expect. But in the B2B side, I think you've got to, just got to be careful about managing those hype cycles and not, I guess, having an event everyone's waiting for, get super excited because maybe they've got other motivations or incentives, i.e. they want to be deliberately active to then get on a whitelist or something. And um, yeah, how you, you model that and, and build that sustainability, I think you need to actually step back and think about, but it's, it's a very hard act to, to balance and it's not something you know, I've done personally. And we speak to a lot of people, certainly around customer support, who want, let's say, just a public support channel because they want the community to remain lively and everyone chipping in and engaging. And you know, we totally understand that. I think in terms of how you actually quantify and define what is helpful, there's certainly no perfect answer yet. And we're seeing you know, a lot of DAO tooling, for example, products being built to help measure, identify, track, and re- you know, reward these members that are being useful members of that community. But it's still a very messy problem to solve for. And I don't think we've got a perfect solution yet. So unfortunately, I think the answer is you just need to do a bit of everything. And there's always going to be some gut feel at the end of the day as well. So different organizations are managing this in different ways. And... Yeah, there's certainly no perfect solution, but I think t- looking at a combination of metrics, not just activity levels, let's say, um, and having some sort of quorum amongst a group of individuals, whether that's for disbursement payments or something else, I think is still a requirement right now. You know, it certainly can't be automated away, I'd say. This second part is all about the opportunity for building Mava, a solution that magnifies building a Web3 community through customer support. Thank you for listening to this trailer. And if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called Venture Notes. And amongst a few other things, such as discount codes to events and tools, you get early access to our upcoming podcast agenda and full replays. See you very soon on Venture Notes venture notes.co